freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 222, right? 222 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is a militia and the Constitution, and our guest is Randy Miller. Randy is a candidate for the Arizona House of Representatives in LD21 and the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association director in Arizona, and he teaches both the Arizona and U.S. Constitution, and I just can't believe that. It's nice to meet somebody that actually not only knows the Constitution, but teaches it. Thank you, um, Randy. Yes, and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So you probably recognize this this uh, huge, massive document in my hand. When I hold it sideways, you know, you can see it. <laughs> the Constitution is not war and peace. You know, it's not a hundred volume uh, uh, read that takes you, you know, a lot of time to get through. It's about an hour long if you read this cover to cover it's like 49 pages this pocket constitution and it is shocking to me how many people have never committed the time to read it and a lot of them are sitting in elected offices right now as we speak it makes me crazy you are so right uh i've witnessed this in my years as being a pc and working with legislators trying to get them to uh, understand the decisions they've made, how they've been contradictory to uh, Constitution and the rights of the people, both federal and state. So, so Randy, what does shall not be infringed mean? Because you teach that. What do it's you... a mysterious yes. statement, clearly. <laughs> well, uh, the Second Amendment is, is interesting. If you look at the whole thing, if, you don't, if we can analyze it, and then we'll go to the uh, Constitution under Article 1, Section 8, that defines the militia and their duties. But if you look at the Second Amendment, uh, it came a couple of, several years after the Constitution did uh, as a condition of ratifying the Constitution. But the Second Amendment is, it says a well-regulated militia. Regulated meaning trained. Thank you. Not, not controlled by government, but regulated. Regulation is a military term for training. It says, shall not, or excuse me, a well-regulated militia being necessary. Now, this is interesting because nowhere else in your little 64-page pamphlet of the Constitution is the word necessary in there. Hmm. Uh, you won't see I didn't that realize that. Else. Necessary is, it doesn't say that Congress is necessary. It doesn't say the executive branch is necessary. And it doesn't say Article 3, the judiciary, is necessary. But it does say a militia 
is necessary. Not just a militia, but a well-trained militia. That is the people. Wow. Uh, and it says being necessary to maintain a free state, which is very clear as well. So the, the, the founders were very clear in what the intent of the militia is, that they have to be trained. It's necessary to maintain a free state from tyranny. Uh, and it says, and the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Shall under law is mandatory, it's non-permissive. Uh, if you're looking at certain laws and it said gives uh, uh, some liberties to the judge or the prosecuting attorney, it'll say may, which mm -hmm. means you know, they can do some other things, but shall is non-permissive. It is a mandatory requirement that has to be followed. Mm -hmm. That's... That is awesome. And it, it took you how long? Maybe three minutes to explain that. And here we are in this never-ending debate about it uh, that started up, what was it, about in the 70s when it really ramped up and, and started becoming such a, a political football uh, between the left and the right, the Democrats and the Republicans. And here you've explained it in three minutes. Well, remember when you opened your show, you held it up and you said that people don't read it. Uh, and <laughs> it's written in simple terms. Bingo. To avoid <laughs> the, yeah. the shame of it is, Randy, that we have politicians that don't even know what it means. Mm -hmm. They don't read the Constitution, yet they have to swear on an oath for the Constitution. Well, we've lost, uh, you know, under Article 6, Paragraph three, it talks about, you know, the oath of office. Uh, and we've lost the, the meaning. The oath has become more of a perfunctory uh, action as a symbol to take office rather than the why they take office. So that, that we become a, a society where left versus right is a, de a debate of ideologies rather than a, uh, following the Constitution. Mm-hmm. So you have true. to recognize, I mean, even during, uh, after the first Congress was formed, that they had the, the, Republican, uh, the uh, Republican Democracy Party. Uh, so they had parties all along, but they've been focused on the Constitution. And we've lost that. We don't focus anymore. We focus on ideologies. Well, what do they want to do? Well, they want to get by in, in legislation. Uh, and compromise becomes the uh, the jargon that they use compromise and reaching across the aisle mm. uh, the only reaching across the aisle is to shake hands on an agreement that the constitution has been upheld in their legislation that's all they should be reaching across for absolutely well randy we're in the middle of a fresh spike in cases of the covid in arizona and we have a statewide mandate now to wear the mask and in public and it's 110 <laughs> degrees outside it's kind of hard to wear a mask and there's people that can't wear a mask because you know they may have asthma things like that what are the constitutional implications of the current crisis and the mandate? Well, that's interesting. Uh, first of all, we have to look at what government is. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you look at uh, Arizona's constitution, Article 2, Section 2 is very clear. It defines government and the powers of government. And it says three things. Number one, it says all political power is inherent in the people. Political power is the power to make laws. That comes from us. And this, again, is what people are losing in, in translation on all this. We've been giving up our rights to a powerful 
individual or group of individuals rather than recognizing that we, you know, we have the power. This is how the country's designed. So all political power is inherent in the people. And then it also says that government drives its just powers, those powers that are justified to execute the, the political power that we gave them or loaned them to do on our behalf. And that's it. And the purpose of government, oh, just powers by the consent of the governed. The purpose of government is to protect and preserve individual rights, not societal rights, individual rights. So when we look at the, this COVID-19, we have to look at, you know, the, the Arizona state government is, all state governments, we're a mini republic, just like uh, this, the country is. We're broken down into 30 districts, and each district has representation that they vote locally to represent them on state issues down at the Capitol. Now, the representation that we have is we vote on legislators, which is covered under Article 4 of the state constitution, and it grants all legislative power shall be vested in the House and the Senate. The power, legislative power is to make laws. The executive power comes under Article 5. And the Article 5, he's, he's the executive, which means he has uh, the control and power over executive branches under his jurisdiction. In Arizona, we also have the treasurer, the, the education department, uh, secretary is under their, their own distinct executive branch. But the governor has control over the branches that are within his jurisdiction. He can make orders governing the employees of these agencies to and and the, the orders that he makes are to do and this is under article 5 execute the laws faithfully execute the laws of the state so he doesn't write laws article 4 the legislator writes laws article 5 he's to execute the laws of the state and he has executive authority over the personnel of those executive agencies that he controls. So he could, because they work for him, he can fire, dictate, you wear a mask, he can dictate policies to them. He has no authority over the citizens of Arizona. So to say, and, that's, and this is where he's slipped, I have very little faith in, the, in our governor uh, from what I've seen and heard of him on, on his presentations and everything. And he got in a lot of hot water over his stay home orders, which completely unconstitutional uh, on, on both state and federal. Uh, he got in hot water over uh, several uh, closing businesses. So what he did this time is he said, well, I'll let the cities decide that. The cities have no authority to set policy. And then like in Phoenix, setting a $250 fine if you don't wear a mask. Well, Good luck enforcing that uh, under the Constitution. So, because already, you know, the people have to realize political power is, is us. We have that. And they only get their just powers from our consent. Did you consent to wearing a mask? No, I didn't. Sir. I well, didn't either. Just to make it clear so I understand. So, the governor cannot make law. He has to follow the law according to what the legislatures uh, enact. And the legislatures have to enact laws that we ask them to enact, but then uh, they have to so, be properly right. vetted and passed. So that's one thing. And the other thing is, right now, 
if you don't comply with the mask regulations with the city, the city part of it, they'll pull your retail sales license. Well, they can't do that either. Uh, because, you know, there's five sections in the Arizona Constitution that I've identified that they're violating left and right. First one is what I just told you, Article 2, Section 2, uh, purpose of government and, uh, and rights of the people. The second one is uh, we have a right to assembly, which is Article 2, Section 5. Let me get my notes here. Uh, right of assembly to petition and, and grieve our, air our grievances, as well as to make changes for the, that we need, that we want to make. Uh, like open up, you know, protesting when we were down at the Capitol. I've been to every single one of these protests. Uh, that's our right to do that. I'm sorry. It's okay. It, we also have uh, for churches to gather and assemble in our churches. They can't violate that. Then they have the equal privileges and immunities clause. This is a good one. Uh, privileges and immunities is not only in our state constitution, but it's also in the U.S. Constitution in two locations, Article 4 and the 14th Amendment. Privileges and immunities is our right. It covers many things under the U.S. Constitution. One of those is, is our right to travel freely from one state to another and our right to conduct business from one state to another and, and to hold a business. They can't uh, arbitrarily... Uh, because we have to have equal protection of privileges that one law cannot be passed or one decision by a governor that violates equal uh, equal privileges under the 14th amendment and the uh, and the state constitution that doesn't grant the same privileges to the to equally among us so when they arbitrarily say that they're going to close a business you you designate what businesses are essential and what aren't, they're violating their right under equal uh, privileges and immunities and under equal protection of the law under the 14th Amendment. They're also violating uh, the Fifth Amendment, the last, last sentence where it says, shall not be, you shall not be deprived of life, liberty. What's our liberties? Our freedom to leave our homes, our freedoms to conduct business with each other our freedoms to shake hands, to hug, whatever we choose to do based on the knowledge that we've been given by government is safety or not, and or property, which is your business. When they, the governor said he's going to shut your property or your, close your business down and fine you or withhold your license like mm -hmm. the city's done, that's a taking. Mm -hmm. they've, now not, they've now committed a taking of your personal property because that business is their personal property. And it's their blood, sweat, and tears. You know that with your gun shop. Mm -hmm. uh, that's their blood, sweat, and tears and their livelihood for their giving to the community, conducting business, and all that property that you've done in there. Uh, that's a taking. And that was done with not even in accordance to what the permissions they have. Uh, eminent domain is uh, Section 2, Article 17 of Arizona's Constitution. Fifth Amendment's already been violated, and, and the Fifth Amendment is covering you if you commit a criminal offense that we've determined through society that these are accepted uh, laws and offenses we want to have enforced. You, we haven't even committed a criminal offense, and they're already violating our Fifth Amendment rights to due process of life, liberty, and property. But mm -hmm. under the Arizona's Constitution, under eminent domain, they can only take property for public use for uh, 
Private property shall not be taken for private use except for private ways of necessity. That's roads like uh, 202 uh, Red Mountain Freeway. They can mm -hmm. do that. And for drains, flumes, or ditches, or on, or on or across the lands of others for mining, agricultural, domestic, or sanitary use. So it says no private property shall be taken or damaged for public or private use without just compensation having first been made and, and going through the court process. So they haven't done anything and the purpose of their, the legal purpose for them to take a property is not even met. Mm. So it's, it's wrong on all counts. Absolutely. Well, Randy, I saw on, I mean, I heard in my own ears where the governor said that there were some bars in Scottsdale that they were gonna pull their liquor license if they didn't stop uh, serving liquor during this COVID. And the, the question is, I mean, how does a small shop, the barbershop down the corner or the laundromat um, defend themselves with such a big group? I mean, what are they going to do about it? That's the problem with government. One more thing, though. Let me tell you that the fifth thing is that they, they cannot do any bills. This is Arizona Constitution. Bills of attainder or ex post facto laws or any law, implement any law that is an impairment of contracts. You have contracts with your distributors, do you not? You have a contract with your- uh, uh, Staff members? Staff. <laughs> yes. You have a contract with the, your building, if you well, lease a building. So we you, have a contract with the state, uh, the city that will collect their sales tax that we don't agree to, but we do it because <laughs> they tell us we have to, to have a license. Yeah. That's a contract. Yeah, it is. So when the governor does his uh, king method, you know, despotic moves on the people, he's violating not only he's violated all five of these Arizona constitution, because now he's trampling your contracts. Hmm. Yeah. The well, and the legislature is the only one that can make law. Mm -hmm. Well, I love the city that we're in. We're in Avondale, Arizona, and I absolutely love the city. It's been great to us. The thing that I wish would have been done is that they educate the store owners that, hey, we have a problem here. What can you do to help, but not enforce law? Let but everybody do a voluntarily uh, handle this situation because- We've been given an or else, and, and I don't, I agree with you, Randy, that it is an improper or else. And they might even try to to do the or else, which is pull our, our business license. I think if we took it to court, they would have to lose. We would have to win. But then at what cost is all of that? And so it's just easier to comply. And but let me, it's step by step by step that we give up more and more and more. Let me make it one clear freedoms. though. I, I'm sorry. I just want to make one thing clear. We have not been approached. We have not been told that if we, our businesses, don't comply that we'll lose our license. Well, there's a proclamation out there. But there, but there is a, yes, there is. But we and have not improper. personally, we have not been personally attacked with this uh, nonsense. Mm -mm. But anyway, so that, so go ahead. <laughs> we got on a soapbox for well, a minute there and, and, and uh, robbed you of your time. A proclamation isn't law. Yeah. It's not enforceable. Right. In my opinion, I'm not a lawyer, but in my opinion, I don't see it being enforceable anyway. But you asked, what can we do? Uh, well, when you talk about the threat of pulling a license and everything, if you don't comply, is that not tyranny? Yes. Right. Oh, sure. Exactly. 
Sure We've been is. living under a tyrannical government for quite a bit, uh, and I don't have time to get into it all, but under George Bush in 2005, uh, the Republican Party exhibited extreme tyranny on the people with the Patriot Act, with Homeland Security, and we were going to get into that with uh, the militia. We never finished that. Um, <laughs> so, and, and the real ID, these are all things that Hitler did prior to his uh, rounding up the Jews. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. have to remember but uh, what we can do is uh, in Wickenburg, the people have to, we, the, nothing will be changing until the people stand up, the patriots. In Wickenburg, the little uh, contractual um, city, not the, the, the city attorney or the, for the city of Wickenburg, she's not an employee, she's under contract uh, because the Wickenburg council and mayor wanted to enforce the shutdown that the governor uh, illegally proclaimed in his executive order. Well, Lydia's uh, cantina, or can, uh, her rest, Lydia's restaurant in Wickenburg and uh, Deb's restaurant, uh, Iron Horse uh, Cafe, and uh, the, uh, the cafe next to hers, they, they refused to, they opened up early. They said, we can't do this. You're killing us. You're destroying our business. And we can't survive, pay our bills, and, and there's businesses closed already. Mm-hmm. Um, so they opened early. And they were getting threats, uh, phone calls and things like this, because they're damaging, the com- they're harming the community, jeopardizing the community, all this stuff. Uh, and so the Patriots, myself and two other people, we went down there to help Bev, or Deb. We were there uh, three days. Seven till two in the afternoon, two thirty. It depending on when the customers left to make sure that the customers that came in were not harassed, That's and awesome. to make sure that the city was aware that you know we're here to help defend her right to be open. This is what the people have to do. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, uh, I went to Mesa. I saw a Facebook post of the bar and grill in Mesa. I forgot the name of the place where she posted a sign that says we are not enforcing the mask order of our staff and the people that enter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we went there to show her support and what we need to do is get businesses together mm-hmm. and say privately owned businesses, corporations are a different story. I think they're part of the plan, mm-hmm. but get, get small businesses together statewide, build a coalition and say, you know, enough of this. We aren't complying with your unconstitutional executive orders. The people need to stand. Wickenburg had people coming from all over the valley to support these businesses uh, in large numbers. They're not going to enforce this nonsense with these large numbers. And there's an attorney, uh, Anthony Ramirez from Scottsdale, who has supported these businesses. He's even been in contact with uh, this business owner in uh, Mesa. And they've talked. So we have an attorney that is a patriot. He's defending their right to uh, to have to open their business, keep their business open, and that's what we need. But we need the people to come together. And my idea is let's get patriots to say, you know, let's we get a hundred people and we have like a little field trip. Well, they want mask at targets or Safeway. Let's all go in there without our mask and protest. Now, we don't want to jeopardize the safety of people 
in the, that may have COVID. We realize it's a problem, but we also realize that there's some real inflation of the numbers. Uh, I have a friend who sent me his his information that said, what they're doing is they're they're double double counting. Mm-hmm. If me and my wife go in to a, the doctor's office or emergency room and we test positive for COVID, but we're not detrimentally sick, and we go home, they count that as two two cases. Uh, even though we're not sick enough to stay, if I return because I get worse, that's another case. So they get three cases out of two people. Mm-hmm. And they're not differentiating the seriousness of the cases. Uh, are they just testing positive and they're fine? Well, you know, there's a lot of information out there that contradict what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't know, but the point is, is we don't want to be jeopardizing, but we need to stand up for our rights and we need to say, we're not sick. We're not going to go out. We're going to exercise our rights. If we're sick, we're going to stay home, but wearing a mask is going, it's a symbol. It's, it's uh, what it is. It's they're they're incrementally upping their game for compliance, social pressure. How far will you go to comply with government's unconstitutional directives for your safety that we haven't even been de- uh, officially proven? The numbers aren't showing it. The numbers are increasing because they're increasing their testing. Of course and, they're going to go up. And that's the thing is I get an alert on my phone every morning that one of the big news stations here in, in the Valley, here in Arizona, where we're sitting, uh, it's, it's this big number, right? Like another 3000 COVID cases, right? Nowhere in there is the information that says, um, you know, that no, this isn't 3000 deathly ill people, right? Because then the next number kind of gives it away. And it says, oh, there was maybe, you know, like 12 more hospitalizations today. You know, but 3,000, that's at the top of the screen and that grabs your attention and it gets you feeling all nervous that there's a problem out there. And just having a COVID diagnosis does not mean that you are deathly ill. Maybe you went in because you had an ear infection and they went ahead and tested you for COVID because everybody's testing right now, right? And okay, there's another one of those COVID cases, but you're asymptomatic. As far as I know, I mean, they don't tell us, are they all contagious? We don't even know that. So the numbers are really, uh, they're garbage. They're nothing that we can make solid life decisions on. And yet we are being held to that standard by the governor, by the mayors, and then by this court of public opinion. And that's the one that is so insidious and so difficult to deal with because as a business owner, so we have, we could have people who come in and they say, oh my gosh, you're a gun store owner and you're supposed to be about saving lives, right? That's what you get on the radio and you tell people that you're about self-defense and saving lives. And here you're saying that, okay, there's this mask order, but if you're sick, I mean, like if you have a, a medical reason not to wear a mask that you don't have to, well, yeah, of course we're going to say that because we don't get into HIPAA. We don't ask you if you have a, a specific problem with your breathing that, that this mask can at, exacerbate. So, um, but somebody could look at that and go, well, I saw the owner in there. He didn't have a mask on. 
he's endangering lives. I'm going to get on Yelp and I'm going to tell everybody, right? We could have someone later who I guarantee you there's going to be, when you see on TV, there's these, um, if you've been injured in an accident or if you've been, you know, uh, injured in some way, join us in this class action lawsuit, right? I guarantee you there's going to be some class action lawsuits out there and people are going to try to claim that they know exactly where and when they contracted COVID and they're going to go after businesses because somebody smells money somewhere. So it's really, it's, it's hard to not comply because the risks go beyond whether or not it's constitutional or not. Does that make sense? Kind of. I mean, in the, in the court of public opinion, it does. But in reality, uh, proving that is going to be very difficult. How many people go in there? Could they have been gotten it off the door handle going into your business? Could they have gotten it off their door of their own car that they had friends coming in and out of? So it's, it's going to be impossible to pinpoint anything of where it comes from. You can do it from a restaurant. Good Lord. You go into a restaurant and you take your mask off to eat and they're wearing a mask, but everybody's <laughs> handling your plate. Right. How many people are handing your plate after touching everything and putting it on your table or the silverware when they wrapped it in the napkin or the table or the booth, or the bench? Right. Uh, or even to go it, food. It's, somebody had to prepare it at some point, you know? So I know I agree with you hundred percent. It's just, um, it's hard because we have, uh, you know, people that we're, we're personal friends with that when you get on Facebook and I mean, they're like, like really adamant about, you know, you, if you're not wearing a mask, you're basically, you know, uh, doing the devil's work. And they're not pointing it directly at, at Dan or I, but they're pointing it at anybody who would question whether or not wearing a mask is uh, a, a wise personal decision without taking into account that some people do have breathing difficulties, that, that um, you know, the masks are not proven to do one single thing to help. I mean, every time, and, and I've worn one once in a while because if I have to go into a business, I'm trying to honor their wishes if they have it posted um, to, to wear a mask, I, I do. And every time I breathe out, my glasses fog up. And I'm like, yeah, that's really holding in the germs. Yeah, but they'll argue, they'll argue that that, you know, so you have a little inconvenience. I can't wear a mask. I have a medical reason I can't wear one. And um, I get, I get shamed. Mm -hmm. So it is the government to get people to comply. They make your, make you feel like if your next door neighbor doesn't do it, then he's bad. He's evil. Bad. You know, it's another way to divide us. It works both ways. Because when we uh, were out yesterday in Mesa, we went into uh, the homes uh, at home and uh, heard that that bar, the sports bar is right across from at home. And we went in there and there's most people wearing a mask. There's a few that aren't. We acknowledge those that aren't. We say thank you for being the wise one and upholding your rights and not falling for the conformity trap. And they, we give thumbs up each other and it's supporting each other under peer pressure in a positive way as well. We have to recognize and acknowledge those in the stores, and we do, that aren't wearing a mask. And we get some, we went uh, in Peoria to that home store, and a guy was sitting at one of the outside benches wearing his mask. He sees my wife and I come in, and he's, he 
pulls his mask off and goes, <sighs> and he gives us a thumbs up. Because not everybody that wears a mask believes in it, but they're falling to the conformity trap. And yes. we can change that attitude by being supportive of those that we see not wearing a mask and recognizing them and saying, thank you for being a constitutional patriot. Absolutely. I could not because agree this, more. And well, Randy, know, yes, sir. Go, no, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, that's okay. Okay. I was well, Randy, you know, uh, we've been talking about this COVID and all these other things. We could probably talk for like three hours on that. And I appreciate all the comments and you've made me feel stronger about the constitution and everything, but you're also running to, uh, for Arizona house of representatives in LD 21, right? Yes, I am. Uh, uh I, I am running because, uh, the reality is the people aren't represented. Do you think you're represented in office? Absolutely not. We, we have had, maybe one or two representatives out of 60 step forward and say they don't agree with this. So just for the COVID, the shutdown, everything, every single one of them has been silent. Mm -hmm. I'm not represented. So, uh, and the, the, the Republican party in their 2016 platform says, page two, I believe it is, we are the party of the constitution and the bill of rights. And we're here to reaffirm that. I got tired of them reaffirming or not reaffirming it. So I decided it's time for me to run and show them how it's done because <laughs> the Republican party has been doing just the opposite of reaffirming the constitution. They're silent on the COVID and, and I am a Republican, but I'm a constitutional Republican and we need to get back to the constitution because we're in trouble. This is, this is a Marxist communist assault on America. Mm -hmm. When they, I'm, I'm a history buff. Uh, my wife was born and raised in Russia. She lived under communism. And because of that, I've been studying it for many years now, several years, at least five years, the history of communism, the revolution in 1917, and, you know, Lenin, uh, and then and, and what we've been involved in in Ukraine in 2005 with the Orange Revolution, and in 2013-14, the winter, where we overthrew, we did a coup, and got Porchenko out of uh, the president of Ukraine out of office. Um, it's all, and if you look at how that happens, what do they do? They, they distance the people from their political and legal and and legal authorities, villainizing them. They tear their statues down, calling their history evil. So they're trying to distance and sub, and bring the submit people to submission of a change and new direction because the old ways are wrong. And that's how communism, Marxism worked all along. That's what they're doing here. Now it's defund the police, the very basis of our civil society. Uh, so I'm running because uh, I've had enough mm -hmm. and it's time to people hear someone who's not afraid to stand up against the political correctness nonsense that's been destroying our country and society for the last 10 years, well, 15 years, uh, President Obama was uh, big at political correctness and dividing the country. The Democrat Party's fantastic at doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and we don't have anybody standing up to it mm -hmm. on the Republican side. They're, all, they're very submissive and we need to start fighting back mm -hmm. and we need to start doing it with information and we need to do it boldly and firmly before we lose the country. 
And you know, and Arizona is a state. We are a sovereign nation. We're we're a conglomeration of fifty sovereign nations operating under international law, which is the U.S. Constitution. Mm-hmm. Our Constitution governs us, and not one of our legislators have mm-hmm. stood up to usurpation of power over the federal government and upholded our own Constitution and the rights of the people. Well, you know, I've always said. Excuse me, I'm sorry, that I want, you know, politicians to represent the people. And I kind of, you know what, why don't we just represent the Constitution? That would do it, wouldn't it? If we just follow the Constitution, wouldn't you not be representing me and the beliefs that the country was built on? That's, that's way follow too the simple, Dan. That can never just, work. It's right here. It's so, <laughs> it's so easy. I'll hold it up for a second. It's so easy. If every politician followed the Constitution, I wouldn't need representation. Just follow the Constitution. That, that is your representation. On my signs, I have on there, Constitution first. Right. Mm. Very simple. That should be the first thing that comes to our mind when any sort of legislation is coming forward. Um, and understanding that the, any taxation law is nothing but legal plunder. Mm-hmm. Right? Stealing from the people, suppressing them. Well, why do you think that some of these... Uh, rabble rousers out there are doing everything they can to undermine the the men and women who fought bled starved and died for the privilege to even write our founding documents because they're trying to undermine the the people themselves which undermines the document and gives us no foundation and it it can just always be the issue du jour right we can just go whichever way the wind blows that's called chaos yeah Kind of From chaos at. comes order. Yep. Uh, and the whole purpose of undermining is because they want to destroy it. Yes. We have allowed our education system since the early 1960s, if not late 1950s, to be overrun by the socialist mentality. And in the 70s, we were just one generation away from socialist uh, mentality. So look at all the different uh, edu- generations we've had that have been programmed and it turned into a socialist communist mentality. And that's the, that's the resonating fact behind the undermining of our constitution because it's not what they want. Right. So uh, true. Control is what they want. So we are uh, quickly running out of time and we are going to have to have you back on and dig deeper into uh, the militia because as you said, we, we skipped over a big part of, of what you were going to say about that. But, um, but before we let you go, there is another question that is so important, and that is that we mentioned at the beginning of the show that you are um, running for, op- running for and, and you'll explain what that means, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association uh, Director in Arizona. Um, what, what is this, uh, this organization? Constitutional Sheriffs? Wait a minute. What, what do, do those two things go together? And um, what is the, the platform? What is the, the mission statement of that organization? I, I'm making light, and it might not be translating well, but I think the work they do is amazing. And it does take sheriffs who are an elected official, right? They are not appointed. They are elected by their constituents. And for them to be firmly tied to our constitution is 
if they are our law enforcement arm, then they need to know the laws and where they, what they're grounded in. Correct. Well, I, I'm not running for the position. Uh, about a year ago, I was uh, appointed by oh, okay. director, Sheriff Richard Mack, mm -hmm. who you've had on, I believe, or should yes. have on. You have He's him. awesome. Yes. And, and Richard Alton, who's the vice president uh, at the national level. This is a national organization, and they can find out exactly what we're about at uh, cspoa.org. And that's our website. Basically, we're an educational uh, arm. I, I, my role as a state is I travel the state and I talk to groups, Republican groups uh, on the Constitution. Um, and I, we work on vetting sheriffs. There's a, there's a section on our page that says vet your sheriff. And that's for our local candidates and sheriffs to fill out. We have, we have many uh, constitutional sheriffs in the country that have participated in this questionnaire and are members of CSPOA. You can be a member, $45 a year uh, for an annual membership and support what we do. What Richard Mack does is he travels the country. He goes uh, to different police agencies. He speaks at different functions for law enforcement, uh, educating them on the constitution and, and giving them insight as to how best to, uh, when you take your oath, what does that mean? So we're all about the oath and we're about the constitution. We're about making sure our law enforcement doesn't matter. It's sheriffs, yes, but it's also peace officers. They all take an oath. And are they gonna enforce these unconstitutional orders and, and uh, educating them? And what I do is I travel and I talk, I was scheduled to speak at the uh, July 22nd uh, conference for um, constables and uh, it was a function they had up there I was given two hours to speak and answer questions after I spoke at the constables conference but they canceled it because of COVID yeah. uh, which raises a red flag because this whole COVID thing is preventing our groups to get together during elections mm -hmm. so Educating the community, educating the public. I hold Constitution Tuesdays uh, at the Republican office uh, as part of CSPOA uh, to educate our group, get them informed, and getting them, getting the public right now is our charge to learn how to interact with their legislators and understand when they're violating the Constitution and how to approach them on that. Getting the public to understand the Constitution as a CSPOA director in Arizona to when we have these issues to say, empowering them with knowledge and understanding of the constitution that we need to come together and only together as, as a group can we push back on these issues. If we don't, then this is gonna get worse and we have to. So as a member of CSPOA that, for Arizona, that's my charge is to bring Arizona, like I said, we're an independent sovereign state, independent sovereign nation, we come together for Arizona's purposes. We come together what's best for Arizona because what's best for Arizona may not be the same thing for New Mexico, definitely not the same thing for California or New York. So we focus on what is Arizona's culture, what is our needs, what is our purpose, what is our desires, let's fix that. That's why I'm running as a legislator. That's why I'm working on 
uh, as a CSPOA director for Arizona to empower the people with that little document we call. Uh, this little guy? The, exactly. <laughs> and it's written in simple terms. If you realize there is no uh, direct, there's no, it, it, there's no term definition in the back. Mm. There's no definition of terms in the back to say, hey, well, this is what uh, regulation means. This mm. is what shall not means. Because it was, they all knew what it meant. Right. Don't have well, to define it. I mean, President Clinton, when he was in there, he completely confounded the word is. So, you know, remember when he said it depends on the what the word is means? Yeah. You know? yeah. So, I mean, w our language is even being turned inside out and, and um, there's definitely purpose behind it. And it is so that we all kind of, you know, get confused and throw our hands up and just look for the next leader to tell us what we're supposed to think, what we're supposed to feel, what we're supposed to do. And that is not the, the DNA that was in the people that, like I said, fought, bled, starved, and died to have the privilege to write our founding documents. And we're trying to do everything we can. I know you're trying to do everything you can to um, reignite that part of our DNA, our, that American spirit, that we we stop looking for permission to breathe, right? To breathe without a mask on, we are looking for permission instead of just understanding that we are sovereign individuals who are citizens of a sovereign state who that is part of a sovereign nation. And um, we do have to run, but Randy, I thank you so much for all that you're doing all the work that you're putting out there uh, and for running. Uh, you know, that's a rough arena. That is a life-changing um, <laughs> chapter that you're stepping into. And um, I think we need more citizens to take it seriously enough to put their, their money where their mouth is in the way that you are. Um, but just before we run away, please tell folks, how can they uh, help your campaign? How can they follow you in your teaching endeavors um, so we can continuously learn more about our Constitution? And how can they uh, just stay connected with all that you're doing? Thank you. Uh, well, I do have a website. It's randymiller4arizona.com. And I have a blog. I like to write. Uh, I write freely on, on my thoughts. Uh, so my blog will give a lot of information about it. They can donate. I, I could use some more donations uh, for, for advertising. And I have billboard up on Grand Avenue. I have two. One at 67th and Grand just before Northern and then one at 111th and Grand at Digital. It, so I, I'm trying to advertise as much as I can in that regard. Donations are nice. Uh, Constitution Tuesday, like I said, uh, we're having them more frequently because we need to, and my group is growing, they can reach out to me on my website through my email. Email me at randymiller4arizona at gmail.com, uh, and that's randymiller4arizona at gmail.com, and I'll be, we can communicate that way, and, and I need people to get involved with Constitution Tuesday. Uh, if they want to walk, if they want to make phone calls for me, that would be grateful. Uh, but we need to get patriot, constitutionally minded, firm and strong people in the legislature to push back against this nonsense.
Absolutely. I love it. Thank you again so much for all you do. We will definitely have you back on if you'll come. And uh, awesome. Thank you so much. Bye-bye, Randy. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Man, I, we, that whole militia thing, we could have spent two hours just on that because there's so much misunderstanding and fear right. around that word. Um, and again, I think that there's a purposefulness behind that because the powers that be don't want us to understand the power that we have as individuals, as citizens. You know, and, and it's the same thing with this constitution. I mean, it's very simple, very easy to define. Mm -hmm. And when a city council or a governor or a president or whoever decides that they don't like the constitution, they always say, but... I am for the Second Amendment. But, but. I mean, you look at it and say, Oh, I mean, wait a minute. I have, that means you're not for the Second Amendment. I have some people in mind that are on Facebook right now that would argue this whole program that we did today and say, does the Constitution matter if people are dying because they're not wearing masks? Ooh, you yelled so loud. That's what they would, <laughs> that's what they would say. They would say that you can nullify the Constitution because. For the safety of the public. And, and, and you know what? The but, people can Dan, it's inform for the, the children. Inform it's for the, the people. Children. Inform the people. Yes. And let them make a decision. What? You can do that? Well, you I, can just I don't let know. people make their own individual decisions. But it's funny how laws are, you know, I mean, what if a criminal said, Yeah, it's against the law to rob a bank, but I but I need money. So therefore, I'm exempt from the law. Right. Because I need money. My kids need to eat, right? I can come across the border illegally because I have a baby and that baby needs food. The law is a law. Right. Okay. Right. And we can feel. And the constitution is a law. Right. And we can feel compassion yes. and there are individual um, private organizations that can help people that are right. in dire situations and all of that. But somehow when you want the law upheld, as far as the things you're talking about, then somehow we're heartless, right? But when we want the constitu constitution upheld for right. our legal rights, our legal definition that spells out our God-given right to self-defense, the second amendment, then, oh no, no, well, that law, we don't need that law. That law is for back then somewhere. I understand you know, what you're saying. When I said the border, I got a little insensitive there, but here's the thing you have to think about. So let's say I decide, you know, I got three kids. I live in Chicago and I want to rob a bank because I need to feed my children. I mean, they are starving. It's during the depression and they are starving to death. Right. Does that make it okay for me to go rob a bank and maybe kill somebody in the process? Some people Does might say yes. Okay? I don't know because we're living in crazy world right now. We Everything are is upside world, down. And we need to pray for our world. Oh, there you go. No, we world. Get, yeah, we do. You're right. Not the country, everything. You're right. The world, maybe, right. maybe even the moon. You're right. I'm not disagreeing with you, but we do have to run for today. Yep. <sighs> Thank We're you to our awesome listeners. Thank you to our amazing guest. Thank you, Randy uh, Miller, for coming on. Uh, again, we're in Arizona. Randy's in Arizona, so you would think that the things we're talking about might be just Arizona centric, but they're not. They no. really do relate. Uh, all across the nation. And I love that people are listening all over the world. 
to what's going on here in America because I think we're inspiring people to, you know, broaden their horizons and think differently and that, wait a minute, you, you can live in such a way that you don't have to have some governmental agency's permission to do every single thing. Yeah, you really can. And that's how our nation began. And somehow we just lazily gave and gave and gave away so much. We've abdicated so much of our own responsibilities and along with it, our freedoms and our liberties. But it's, I think we're, we're about to get some of them back. I think there's more people that are woken up not woke. You woke me up. I, don't, I still don't even understand that term. Is it, does that mean you really do get it? Or does that mean, I don't know, it's too political, so I won't use it. But to, so a lot of people who have, who have come out of their slumber to realize how tyrannical, how overstepping, how meddling in our personal lives our elected officials have become. And so hopefully we'll see that reflected in a positive way at the polls since it's the year 2020. Um, but we got to go. So until next time, what do we do, Dan? We pray for this world. We do. And part of that world is our? Our royal leaders. <laughs> I was just going to say our nation because oh. we also want to pray for our nation. Yes, we do want to pray for our nation and our city and our states and our everybody. And, and and do pray, please, for yes. our elected officials, our, the ones that are acting like they're royalty, including the ones who are uh, properly behaving like public servants. Even the one? Even, even, even that one. Whatever one comes to your mind, maybe especially that one needs you know, our prayers. Every day, every time we have a radio show, you tell me to pray for the leaders and I and I say, I don't want to pray for certain leaders and stuff. But, you know, you're inching me up to where I'm about ready to pray for them, too. But not today. <laughs> not today. All right. Have a great week. Be good to each other. Yes. Have a great week. Goodbye. Thank you. And God bless. <laughs>